The Pandava brothers had a hellish time after they escaped the assassination attempt on them led by their cousin Duryodhana. They escaped the lakh house in the city of Varanavata and decided that their best chance would be to let everyone think they were dead. While the world thought they had burned and died in the fire, the Pandava brothers lived incognito along with their mother Kunti. They lived as ascetics and never lived in a place for too long for fear of being found out. Along the way, they made new allies. Still, if the Pandavas were to face the Kauravas, they needed more resources. When they heard that the king of Panchala was holding a swayamvara for his daughter, the princess Draupadi, they knew that this was their chance to access the wealth and resources they needed and so they headed north to Panchala to win the hand of the dark and beautiful princess. Namaste and welcome to another episode of Stories of India Retold. I am your storyteller Nivi with stories from India and today's story looks into how Arjuna won Draupadi's hand, how she became the wife of all the Pandava brothers and how the marriage strengthened the Pandavas' position. Before we get into the story, please don't forget to follow the podcast and subscribe. And if you could leave a review, that would be wonderful. The Pandava brothers, accompanied by Kunti and their newly acquired priest, Dhaumya, went to Panchala. More specifically, the southern part of Panchala. Remember how Drona defeated Drupada and took the northern part of Panchala for himself? We're actually talking about the area around Ganges Yamuna Doab in the present-day state of Uttar Pradesh in India. Panchala was one of the most powerful states of the Vedic times and they were formed of multiple tribes, so they were a big tribe. Like the Kurus, they were descendants of the Chandravamsha and were an offshoot of the Bharata clan. Drupada was a powerful king. In spite of losing the northern part of his kingdom to Drona, Drupada was still highly influential and wealthy. So, as you can imagine, Marrying the princess of Panchala was going to be extremely beneficial politically, added to the fact that the princess Krishna or Draupadi was supremely beautiful. It made her a highly sought-after bride. The story is from Draupadi Swayamvara Parva, and as the name suggests, it tells the story of Draupadi's Swayamvara. When the Pandava brothers arrived in Panchala, they were thrilled to see that the place was filled with festivities. The entire city was celebrating the upcoming Swayamvara of their princess. The city was filled with actors, bards, dancers, raconteurs, eulogists and wrestlers who performed to entertain the crowds who were gathered for the festivities. It was a big grand party and the citizens were there to have a good time. Kings and princes from far and wide had arrived at the city and these kings, eager to increase their chances at winning the princess, were sponsoring various sacrifices and offering alms to the brahmanas. For this reason, brahmanas and ascetics travelled to the city from different regions and they were there in large numbers. The Pandava brothers were disguised as ascetics. They lived in a potter's house and when they were out, they had no trouble blending in with the crowd of brahmanas and ascetics and so they continued to live in Panchala unrecognized. King Drupada spared no expense in the preparations for his precious daughter's Swayamvara. 
Draupadi's birth was blessed by the gods, who predicted that she, along with her twin brother Drishtadyumna, would help Drupada achieve the revenge against Drona he desperately sought. Drupada believed she was destined for great things. So the Swayamvara was really important. And what exactly is a Swayamvara? Swayam means self and vara means groom. It is an ancient Indian practice where the bride chooses her groom from a group of eligible men. There are many mentions of this practice in Indian mythology. Kunti chose Pandu in a Swayamvara. In the epic Ramayana, Sita chose Rama in her Swayamvara. In the case of a princess's Swayamvara, the king invites suitors from different regions. The suitors arrive at the venue on the set date and time and the princess would choose her groom among them. King could dictate if and what task he would have the suitors attempt to do to win the favor of the bride. In Drupada's case, he decided to include a challenge. It was a well-planned and thought-out challenge. Drupada designed a strong bow which was extremely stiff and inflexible. As for the target, he chose a golden target and designed a special mount for the target. This mount was a yantra or a machine and it would hang the target from above. The challenge was this, string the bow and then use that bow and the five arrows provided. Shoot the target through the hole provided in the center of the machine. It was an extremely difficult task. Drupada knew that it was almost impossible. In fact, he knew that Arjuna was the only person who could accomplish this task. Thing is, it was Drupada's secret wish to marry Draupadi to Arjuna. When news of the Pandava brothers' alleged death reached him, it had saddened him because he truly believed that Arjuna would be the perfect match for his daughter. So when planning for her Swayamvara, he designed a challenge that only someone like Arjuna could accomplish. He wanted only the best of the best for his daughter. The venue for the Swayamvara was a piece of land in the northeast part of the city, which was transformed into an incredibly big and beautiful venue fit to host the numerous kings, princes, brahmanas, priests and others. A huge platform was built and it was surrounded by large white palaces on all sides. It was all enclosed by a wall and a moat was built around the entire perimeter. The venue was decorated with beautiful gates and colourful canopies, golden trellises on the windows and mosaic work of precious stones on the walls. The surrounding white palaces were also extravagantly decorated with luxurious furniture for the visiting royalty to enjoy. Musicians played melodious tunes for their entertainment. The air was fragrant with the sweet, musky smell of the incense of agar wood, along with the woody and sweet smell of sandalwood water and the floral scents from garlands of flowers. All the kings and princes participating in the event were seated in these palaces. The brahmanas and priests and other citizens who were there to witness the event had different seats available to them. The Pandavas arrived for the event and sat in the seats reserved for the Brahmanas because they were disguised as Brahmanas. Also in attendance were the gods and demigods who arrived up from heaven on their stylish chariots. Also present were Lord Krishna and his brother Balarama along with their other relatives belonging to the Yadu clan 
who had close ties to the Panchalas. Note that this is where Krishna appears first in the story of the Mahabharata. It was a multi-day event and on the 16th day, Draupadi made an appearance. She was dressed in rich and beautiful clothes and jewellery. All those who were gathered at the Swayamvara had heard about Draupadi's unrivaled beauty. That day, they got to see for themselves how incredibly beautiful and elegant she was. One look at her and all the kings and princes decided they absolutely had to win her hand. Draupadi's twin Dhrishtadyumna addressed the suitors and others gathered. He introduced his sister to them and explained to them about the bow and the target and what they must do to win the beautiful dark princess. After which, he introduced the suitors to Draupadi. He shared with her their names and informed her about their lineage. All the famous and not-so-famous kings and princes from near and far regions were present. The Kauravas were also there. Duryodhana and many of his brothers, including Dushasana, were present. So was their dear friend Karna. Numerous kings and princes from the regions of Gandhara, Maghada, Patana, Madra, Vatsa, Kosala and many other regions were vying to win Draupadi's hand. The introductions were over. A sense of excitement filled the arena. The suitors were raring to go. Each one of them was confident that he would string the bow and shoot the target. They were all confident that they would win the princess. Krishna is mine, they told themselves. Brothers and relatives competed against each other to win her. There was a palpable tension between them as they were ready to take each other on for her. The Pandavas were no exception. They all wanted her too. A band of musicians announced the start of the event with the sounds of drums, flute, veena and cymbals. And so began an intense Swayamvara. One after one, the great kings and princes took the bow and tried to string it. And one by one, they all failed. When they were able to bend the bow even a little bit, the stiff bow would sharply rebound, catapulting the men away and flinging them down to the ground. The suitors were shamed and miserable. It was inconceivable that each and every one of the strong, proud warriors were felled by a bow. But that is exactly what happened and no one even got the chance to aim for the target. It was a sad sight to see when all the powerful men failed at the task and returned to their seats injured and crestfallen. Just then, to everyone's shock and surprise, a young Brahmana rose and walked to where the formidable bow was kept. Some of the older Brahmanas were horrified they could not believe that some ignorant young pup would risk shaming the entire class of Brahmanas just because he did not know better. Didn't he understand that they had just witnessed the best of the Kshatriya class who were well versed in the art of archery and they had failed miserably? What chance did a Brahmana have at succeeding? At the same time, there were others among the Brahmanas who felt that it was okay for him to try. They appreciated the fact that he was extremely well built. He had a body of a strong warrior with broad shoulders and well-developed and strong arms and thighs. He walked confidently and seemed like he knew what he was doing. They also could not help but notice that he was extremely handsome. 
So what if he is a Brahmana? There is nothing that a Brahmana cannot accomplish. There is no reason to think that a Brahmana is not learned in the art of archery. Right or wrong, he should not be judged for his choices because he is a Brahmana, they argued. While the people gathered debated as to why a Brahmana should or should not participate, the young Brahmana went to the bow and performed the rites prescribed as per tradition, after which he confidently picked up the bow and smoothly stringed the bow up. Even before the surprised audience could properly appreciate what they had just witnessed, the Brahmana stood in his stance, loaded the bow with the five arrows, smoothly and fluidly shot the arrows through the opening of the machine, hit the target, which then dropped down to the ground. The amazed spectators gasped, some in joy and others in dismay. The celebrations began, the musicians played joyous tunes, flowers were showered on the young Brahmana's head, bards and raconteurs sang praises about this new Brahmana hero. But what they did not know was that the Brahmana hero was not in fact a Brahmana. It was Arjuna, a Kshatriya in the garb of a Brahmana. But no one knew this, not even his future wife Krishna, who was pleased with the results and had walked up to him and presented him with a garland of white flowers, making him her official choice out of all the suitors. Dripada announced that the young Brahmana would marry his daughter. This drew great protestations amongst the Kshatriyas. The Kshatriya suitors felt that Drupada was slighting their honour. He had invited them all to participate in the Swayamvara, but in the end, he had snubbed them all to marry Draupadi to a Brahmana. They argued that the sacred texts say that Swayamvaras are prescribed for the Kshatriyas and not for the Brahmanas. They declared that the disrespect shown to them by Drupada and Draupadi cannot be excused. They should make an example out of them by killing them for the grave insult they had caused. But they decided against killing Arjuna because they believed him to be a Brahmana and it was forbidden to kill a Brahmana. We need to act and send a message to everyone that this kind of behaviour in a Swayamvara will not be tolerated, they said. The Kshatriyas banded together to attack Drupada. Drupada understood that he was in grave danger and he ran to the Brahmana seeking refuge. Arjuna, along with Bhima, stood in between the enraged kings and the distressed Drupada. It was only the two of them because the rest of the Pandava brothers had left the venue right after Arjuna had won the Swayamvara. Don't worry, we got this, Arjuna reassured the Brahmanas and Drupada. Arjuna got ready with the bow in his hand and Bhima ripped off a tree by its roots, trimmed off its leaves and held it up as a weapon. The other Kshatriyas, led by Karna, began their attack because while it was forbidden to kill a Brahmana, it was okay to kill if they were willing to fight. Arjuna and Karna fought with their arrows. They were both tremendously accomplished archers. They were so quick and agile one could barely see the arrows zipping through from their bows. Karna could not but be impressed with his opponent's skills. His hands did not seem to tire and his aim was always perfect. Karna was no longer confident that he would be able to defeat this Brahmana and so he withdrew from the fight. Bhima was in a duel with Shalya, the king of Madra. 
Bhima easily defeated Shalya in hand-to-hand combat. Everyone was impressed by the young Brahmana's skills. The Brahmanas were delighted and the suitors were embarrassed, but saw that it would be wise for them to withdraw from the fight for now. Krishna, who had witnessed everything and guessed the real identities of the young Brahmanas, urged the suitors to accept the results of the Swayamvara. It is according to dharma, he told them. And so, all the kings accepted the fact that the Brahmana had won and they returned home. Arjuna and Bhima also returned home with Draupadi. They were excited about winning the hand of a princess and the enormous fortune that had been gifted to them. Look at the arms we have received, they called out to their mother as they reached the house. Kunti was inside the house and she'd been worried about her sons the entire day. She was worried they were found out in the Swayamvara and they were in danger or worse. So when she heard the excited voices of her son, she was relieved. She was still inside the house when she said, Share it between all of you. As was her habit because she always instructed her sons to share the arms they collected. A moment later, when Kunti came outside the house and saw that they had a young woman with them, she felt terrible about what she had said. She told her wise son Yudhishthira what happened and asked him to provide a resolution wherein her words would not be proven untrue and it would still be within the bounds of dharma. After considering the situation for a while, Yudhishthira asked Arjuna to take Draupadi as his wife because he had won her in the Swayamvara. But there was a problem. The law says that a younger brother cannot marry while his older brothers are unmarried. Yudhishthira and Bhima were both unmarried and so Arjuna said he could not marry Draupadi. You should marry her as you are the oldest amongst us, Arjuna suggested to Yudhishthira. While pondering upon Arjuna's suggestion, Yudhishthira looked at his brothers and at Draupadi who was seated quietly listening to the discussion. Yudhishthira had a sense that all his brothers were in love with Draupadi. Additionally, in the past, Dvaipana had also suggested that all the brothers should marry her. Yudhishthira feared that there would be dissatisfaction amongst the brothers if one of them were to marry her. We will all marry Draupadi, he decided. And all the brothers gladly agreed. So basically, what Yudhishthira was suggesting here is what we now call fraternal polyandry where a woman is married to two or more men who are brothers. We will delve more into the topic in the next episode, but know that the practice was not uncommon in those days. As far as the Pandavas were concerned, the matter was settled. But what about Draupadi and her family? How did they feel about it? The story doesn't explicitly mention how Draupadi felt about it, but it mentions that she was happy. And as for Drupada, at this point in the story, he wasn't even aware of the identity of the man who won his daughter. He did figure it all out eventually, thanks to some sleuthing by Drishtadyumna. Krishna, who had recognized the Pandavas at the Swayamvara, had followed them to the potter's house and he was accompanied by his brother Balarama. Krishna was related to the Pandavas, as Kunti was the sister of Krishna's father Vasudeva, making the Pandavas and Krishna first cousins. Pandavas were shocked that Krishna had figured them out. Krishna and Balarama spoke with them and expressed their support, after which they left as discreetly as they had arrived. 
but Krishna and Balarama were not the only ones to follow the Pandavas. Worried about his sister's future, Draupadi's brother Drishtadyumna also followed them. He spied on his sister's new family and was ecstatic to find out that she was in fact with the Pandavas and the hero who won her hand in the Swamvara was Arjuna. He rushed to Drupada and shared what he had learned. The rumors that the Pandavas had escaped the fire turned out to be true. Our Draupadi was won by Arjuna and she is now with the Pandavas and their mother Kunti. Drupada could not be more happy. This was what he wanted, what he had dreamed of, Draupadi marrying the great Arjuna. Drupada immediately sent a priest to the potter's house to conduct talks with the brothers. Check with them if they are really the Pandavas, he instructed the priest. When the priest went to Yudhisthira and started inquiries, Yudhisthira refused to answer his questions. He told the priest that Arjuna won Draupadi in a swayamvara and it was all done according to dharma. It no longer matters what caste, lineage, profession or gotra he belongs to, he opined. Just then, another messenger arrived from Drupada. The messenger shared that Drupada was inviting them all for a feast to celebrate the impending marriage. Yudhishthira accepted the invitation and they all went to the palace. Now, Drupada naturally wanted to confirm the identity of the man who had won his daughter's hand. The Pandavas were reluctant to discuss it. So Drupada came up with a plan. He set out a variety of things for the Pandavas to see. In this collection of things, he included things that would interest a farmer, like cattle, ropes, fruits, etc. And another group of things which would interest a warrior, like horses and chariots, fancy swords and bows, javelins, catapults, battle axes, and such. When the Pandavas arrived, they naturally picked up and looked at things that were used in a battle with this drupada confirmed that they were indeed the pandavas drupada then further pushed yudhishthira to reveal to him their identity unable to hide from drupada any longer yudhishthira confirmed to him that yes they were pandu's sons and shared with him all about how they escaped the fire at varanavata and how they have been living incognito ever since Drupada brought up the issue of marriage. He told Yudhisthira that they have an auspicious time and date available and he would like for Arjuna and Draupadi's wedding ceremony to be completed. Draupadi will marry all of us, Yudhisthira informed Drupada. Drupada was taken aback. He questioned Yudhisthira's decision. According to dharma, a man can have many queens, but how can a woman have many husbands? You are a learned man. someone who knows dharma how is it okay for my daughter to marry all of you the path of dharma is subtle the nuances are many and we never know what is in store for us my mother has commanded that this is what needs to be done and so i'm confident that this is the dharma so do not worry about committing adharma said yudhishthira who was dharma's son and was considered an expert in all things dharma Drupada was not completely on board. You along with Kunti and my son Drishtadyumna need to come up with a proper decision about this matter, he said. As they were trying to solve this conundrum, Vedavyasa Krishna Dwaipana visited them. Drupada asked him for advice. 
This was actually something that was practiced in the past, he said, but fell out of favor because it is not what the Veda teaches, nor was it practiced widely, Dvaipayana revealed. Drupada and Drashtadyumna both revealed that they were not comfortable with Draupadi entering such a complicated and what they felt was a morally ambiguous marriage. Yudhishthira said he never lied and argued that there was precedence. So, here is the thing about dharma. It is the law, but it is subtle and it is not set. The way that people approached it was a little like the present-day law where precedence is valued. If it was done before, especially by people who were considered virtuous, then it must be right. And that was the argument Yudhisthira was trying to make. He shared an example of a morally upright lady named Jatila who lived in the ancient times and belonged to the illustrious Gautama lineage. She was said to be in a relationship with seven sages. Furthermore, he argued, it is dharma to do what your mother tells you to do and our mother has commanded us to marry Draupadi and hence it is as per dharma. Dvaipayana supported Yudhisthira's views by sharing other cases where polyandry was practiced. Dvaipana also told Drupada the story of how the Pandavas were actually the reincarnation of the five previous Indras born to gods Dharma, Vayu, Indra and Ashwini twins through Kunti and how Draupadi was the reincarnation of Lakshmi and that their marriage was blessed by Vishnu himself. More on that story in the next episode. But when the wise Dvaipayana said that the marriage was predestined and was the will of the gods, Drupada felt that he should accept it without reservations and so he agreed to the marriage. A decision was made. Draupadi's marriage would be five days long and each day she would tie the bonds of marriage with a brother, starting from the eldest, which meant that she married Yudhisthira on that auspicious day. It was a grand affair, a wedding fit for a princess. All the relatives and allies of Panchala were in attendance and all the pre-wedding and wedding rituals and rites were performed. The next day Bhima married her, the day after that Arjuna married her and then Nakula and on the last day Sahadeva married her. As the Pandavas had expected and hoped, not only did they form an incredibly powerful and important alliance, but as sons-in-law of Drupada and husband of Draupadi, they received enormous amounts of wealth and resources as part of their wedding gift. They received 100 chariots which were ornamented with gold, 400 horses for the chariots, 100 elephants of excellent breed, 100 maidservants along with other gifts of expensive clothes, jewelry and such. Krishna also sent his cousins many gifts to celebrate their wedding. Along with chariots, elephants and horses, he sent them enormous number of pure gold coins, gold jewellery and other things encrusted in diamonds and lapis lazuli. He also sent them clothes, blankets, beds, vessels and other household things. This gesture clearly showed early on that the Pandavas had the support of Krishna who was one of the most important characters in the story of the Mahabharata. In subsequent episodes, you will see how this marriage effectively changed the Pandavas' fate as the Kauravas found that with the powerful Panchalas as their allies, 
the Pandavas could no longer be ignored, nor could they be denied their birthright. This is the story of the Pandava brothers' marriage to Draupadi and why it was important for them. That is all I have for you today. In the next episode, we will dig deeper into the stories of why Draupadi was destined to have five husbands. And we will also look into the concept of polyandry and its practice in ancient India. Thank you so much for listening. If you have enjoyed the stories here on this podcast, please consider sharing it with your friends and family. As always, find the links for the podcast in the show notes. I hope to see you here next time. Dhanyavada. Thank you.